Sports. I'm your host, Jenna Garcia. Today, I have a special guest, Harrison Wind. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Happy to be on. <laughs> BSN Denver, Harrison. Tell us how, a little bit about yourself, how long you've been covering the Nuggets and all that, so that people know um, who you are. Me? Come on. <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast. I'm, people I'm, listen, I swear. No, nah, I was going to say, if you're listening to this podcast, I would guess you're a little familiar with my work. I hope we have a little bit of yeah, for oh, sure. I um, same followers, but no, I've been covering the team for three plus years. Yeah, you know, at BSN Denver, so feel like I got a good lay of the land, and I mean, it's it's been a great year. So let's keep it going. Yeah, great win tonight. Um, the Nuggets win one hundred five to ninety nine in New Orleans against a pretty depleted New Orleans team. Right. I mean, it's it. I don't know if they win that game if Anthony Davis is on the floor. Well, Anthony Davis has always killed the Nuggets. Yeah. He had like 50 points going back a couple of years, 40 points over the last year. Yeah. One of these last couple times Denver and New Orleans has mashed up. Like, that's why I was always thinking, man, New Orleans will be a tough playoff opponent for Denver mm-hmm. if those two ever met because Drew Holiday always seems to kill Denver. So does Anthony Davis, but... Doesn't seem like we'll have to worry about New Orleans in the playoffs this year, at least. <laughs> at least not as of late. <laughs> the news, Anthony Davis looking for a trade. But even better news, according to Woj tonight, not looking to trade him to the Lakers, which is only good news for us, at least for this year. Do you think he plays another game in a Pelicans uniform? Gosh. Well, we saw tonight on the broadcast, they were saying how they're, they've taken Anthony Davis out of their entire like show. Right. Their pregame hype video. Hype video, but they've also taken him off their Instagram and off their social media stuff too. That's pretty like hashtag petty. That tells me he's that tells me he's not playing another game in a Pelicans uniform. Really? You think so for sure. I don't think they'd go to that drastic of a measure if he was suddenly gonna play like in two days. Right. Right? Well I don't know, you know, like it's like you ice that boyfriend that you kind of you were really in love with and you wanted him to stick around and he left you so you ice him you delete his number you block it and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're in your settings like where do I unblock that number from It's going to be awkward. I mean it's going to be really awkward for them. I mean he's yeah. sitting sitting on the bench now. I know technically he's out now with a finger injury sure. like a broken finger. But it's going to be awkward throughout the rest of the year because if I'm New Orleans, I say, "All right, you've made a demand, you've asked for a trade, great." It's our choice, and you know you're not going to play another game for us in a Pelicans jersey this year because we're trying to get as good of a draft pick as we can. Sure. You know we're going to play our young guys and trade Julius Randle and uh, maybe Drew Holiday. You know you're done. So yeah. you made your trade demand, cool, but you know that's it. So my question is, he still gets paid. I yeah, mean, of he course. still gets his money. So he maybe he doesn't care. Does he still have to attend practice if he's not playing? You know, technically yes, but. I mean, if they come to him and say, all right, we're not going to play you anymore, there's probably an understanding there that he's not going to have to go to practice. You think? Right. If they come to him and say, all right, you're done here, you know, we're going to try to trade you, which I'm sure they have gone to him and said that, I- I'm, there's probably an understanding at that point that, all right, you don't have to go to practice and you can just go live in Malibu for the rest of the year and uh, 
you don't even have to sit on the bench. You don't have to. I mean, because I feel like they could be really petty and be like, come to practice. Come to practice and work, but you're not starting. Yeah. Suit up even and sit on the bench. Suit up even. I mean. That could be. It's funny because the whole time Anthony Davis has been like such a good citizen in this whole thing. He's said all the right things leading up to the trade demand. He's been like, yeah, I want to try to make the playoffs. I want to see this thing through in New Orleans. And I don't know how things change after the trade demand. It's uh, it's uncharted territory for sure. Yeah. You think they go Kawhi and try to like make sure he doesn't get to the team he wants to go to? Well, it's funny how you saw it with Kawhi, like you said. It's a funny little subplot to all these trades, how nobody wants to trade their guy to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like It's not even that Kawhi necessarily wanted to go to the Lakers because there were some reports coming out at the time that maybe he doesn't want to play with LeBron. You know, maybe he really wants to go to the Clippers. Yeah. Um, I heard somewhere today that somebody said the Lakers and LA is the perfect stage for Kawhi. And I was like thinking to myself, Kawhi hates attention. Right. He, he and Jokic kind of are like open about like, we are not about this life. Right. We just want to play basketball. We just we don't want to be superstars. Why would LA be the perfect stage for Kawhi? It's not. I think the I think for the rest of the league and the everybody who's not a fan of the Lakers, it's a fun subplot that all these teams are are not conspiring, but <laughs> they're teaming together not to trade these guys to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. And it was the same thing with when Paul George was in Indiana. The Pacers were not going to trade him to the Lakers. Yeah. I think, I think it's a funny subplot in the league right now. It's awesome. It's totally awesome. And you know the Lakers have just an outrageous pull, obviously, bef- even before LeBron went there. And now that LeBron's there. So it's it's extra juicy. It feels really good. If they, don't, to if they don't get Anthony Davis, who are they going to get this summer? Kyrie. Apparently... Apparently Kyrie yeah. doesn't want to sign. I don't know what to think I about mean, that report. And here's know. the thing. These are all rumors. So, like, you really can't. Because there was a – I think Kawhi's trade last year really taught us a lot about, like, that you can't believe everything you hear. You really right. can't believe whose camp is telling the truth. People are putting things out all the time. I mean, there's even other stuff being put out right now about other players that we'll probably get to a little bit later. But – you're you're not sure who to believe on it. You usually believe Woj. Woj is pretty high up there on the scale. You've of- always got to think about. Here's what you've always got to think about when you read these reports: who benefits most from this from information yeah. coming out? Mm-hmm. That's how you always got to think about this stuff. And I mean, if the Lakers don't get Anthony Davis now, I'm wondering if they're gonna just screw around for the rest of the year and then wind up with like DeAndre Jordan next summer. <laughs> as their top three Jeez. agent acquisition. Yeah. I'm not sure where they pivot uh, after after that's, uh, Davis. That's an interesting point, though. Okay, so if we're thinking who benefits most from this information, who benefits most from the the information coming out that they will not trade to the Lakers? Other, well, te- that's, other teams that are looking to maybe acquire that, him? You know, maybe that's coming from Boston, mm. you know. But this whole this whole choreographed trade demand, it's clearly you know where it's coming from, right? It's coming from Rich Paul, yeah. LeBron's agent, who wants Anthony Davis in LA but with LeBron. But what good does that do to Rich Paul? 
it pretty much says, okay, if power. you're traded to Boston, if you're traded to Toronto, my guy, Anthony Davis, he's not going to re-sign there. He's there on a one-year rental. Mm-hmm. Now, the only place he's going to re-sign is the Lakers. So now you have the thought in the back of the mind of all these teams that says, oh, man, if we trade for Anthony Davis, like if you're Toronto, we go, man, if we trade for Anthony Davis, just like we do with Kawhi, we might lose him for nothing in a we year. We might lose both of them. Right. You know, if we're if you're Boston, I mean, Danny Age is so confident. He doesn't think that way. But if you're one of those random other teams out there, if you're Denver, for example, mm-hmm. and you go, man, like we know he only wants to re-sign in L.A. We could only have him for a one-year rental. That's not going to give you uh, a lot of reassurance there if you try to deal for him. Yeah. So that's the strategy, I think. Yeah, so then it ends up kind of making them second-guess whether they want to even go that route, mm-hmm. potentially. I feel like Anthony Davis has been the only like name in my head for the last 48 hours. Like It's just taken over the media world of the NBA. It's all that anybody can talk about. So, Well, I know that Kawhi was traded you know, earlier this year, but Anthony Davis just seems like such a bigger name because I mean, like, he's probably at the equal level of Kawhi, but I mean, he just seems like such a... Uh, so much more star power comes with Anthony Davis, it seems yeah. like. Potent- yeah, and I think with Kawhi, too, it was he had sat out for so long. It was right. like is the potential for him not to come back as strong as he was prior to that long um, stint sitting out kind of was also one of those factors that you were questioning. Is he, is he just that good? Is mm-hmm. he still that good? Kind of like um, MPJ, you know, like when you think about trading him maybe or potentially put packaging him in some sort of trade for Anthony Davis, you're like, yeah, but you don't even know what you're going to, you don't even, we don't even know what kind of Mm -hmm. star he is yet. We haven't even seen it. Right. In in the NBA level, at least. What did you think about the game tonight? It was a good win. Um, This, this Pelicans team is fighting hard without Anthony Davis. It's, (laughs) It's funny. They beat the Rockets the other night and suddenly you've got Jaleel Okafor, Going for twenty two and six, or uh, no, not he didn't go for that. Fourteen and eight mm-hmm. for New Orleans tonight. I mean, he had a great game against Houston the other night. Really good game. So I mean, every win in the NBA on the road is tough. It's rare that you breeze through a road victory, and yeah, but Denver didn't play a perfect game by no. any means, but they got some big contributions for from Monte and from Malik Beasley, and Jokic had a another masterpiece another triple double so it was a good win it was a well-rounded one I thought yeah I mean obviously I think both those these wins on the road show just that Jokic is stepping up into these big moments kind of roles that he needs to fill as our closer as our franchise player he's getting triple doubles he's you know taking over that game in Memphis so that Mm -hmm. they can even have a fighting chance and then you see players like Beasley who Beasley's just been freaking amazing in in memphis and tonight you know he was a huge contributor beasley monte and who was the third guy harris were the only guys to hit threes tonight which was kind of i think there's two crutches to this nuggets team and it's the three-point shooting range that they they really struggled to find their groove there and then um just some like like defensive iq first quarter defense (laughs) They're the, the worst quarter. first quarter defense in the league, or one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and they came out fast. They came out quick tonight in first quarter, for sure, uh, scoring a lot. But 
uh, Malone always says it too. He says like, oh, when we start to get on a roll offensively, we lack defensively because we're just only thinking about our next move offensively. And it's just, I feel like those are the two big crutches for the Nuggets moving forward. Um, you got to know who your guy is. We even saw a mismatch. Who was that? Barton and Harris who didn't switch on that. What was that third quarter play? And Malone, mm-hmm. of course, called a rage timeout right after that. He's pissed. Defense always pisses off Michael Malone, sure. so that happens. But overall, pretty good game. Pretty pretty strong effort um, by the whole team. Um, Houston, Friday. Right. Next big big game because Houston always they like the arch nemesis, the kryptonite of the Nuggets. Whatever reason, they always mess us up. Like, what do you expect from the Nuggets to to prepare for that game? I think my biggest question mark is, are we going to get the starting lineup? <laughs> right? It's my biggest question mark. Jamal Murray missed a another game here, third straight game? Yeah, third With that game. ankle? Does he get back? I mean, I'm guessing he's been improving over the last couple of games. I think it's been really good, actually, that he's had a few games off here, and Denver went... 3-0 in his absence, so, you know, that's great. I'm so excited to see the starting lineup. I mean, how as good as Denver's been this year, mm-hmm. second in the West, best start through however many games they've played to this point. 50, yeah. Um, it seems like they still have so much higher to climb. Yeah. Because we know how good that starting lineup was last year. Mm-hmm. We know how good it was this year in only, what, one and a half games. But, <laughs> yeah. look, there's really no reason to think they're going to take a ton of time to find rhythm together. I think once you put those guys on the floor together, it's going to click pretty quickly. Um, I I just think there's another level this team can get to. And that's kind of crazy considering (laughs) how good of a year they've had already. They can still get a lot better. I think on both ends. Yeah. You mean offensively and defensively? Definitely. Yeah. Because we know how the defense has been sliding here lately. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, that group has played good defense together before, so... I'm excited to see the starters back. I hope it happens Friday against Houston. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great game to see everybody back at it. Um, Gary Harris looked looked question. He was questionable before, before today's game, and he did end up playing, and he, he's a tough kid, but he he did look not maybe his full gear, you know, not, not operating in 100% motion, but Jamal coming back, Gary. We haven't seen Will, Jamal, and Gary on the floor like as a whole team right. in a very long time. Uh, the potential is just kind of eating away at us because we haven't seen it. And every time like one of them comes back, the another one gets hurt. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were without Will Barton Will for forever. three months yeah. without Paul Millsap with a broken toe, and then Gary's had a bunch of injuries here. I was kind of hoping they would have given Gary the night off, to be honest. Yeah. I thought this would have been a game where you could just rest him and you had the unbelievable comeback in Memphis. So if you split this road trip, hey, that's fine. You know, you take sure. that and just get him healthy for this game in Houston because, yeah, you're right. He did not look 100% tonight. I don't think he's looked 100% for these last couple of games. I mean, I know he's come back uh, from the hip and then the hamstring and uh, now the groin injury. I mean, how many guys have had groin or core related injuries this year it's crazy right I, I would have hoped that the Nuggets sat him down tonight but I mean hey they got the win you know he was a plus 13 in in 34 minutes had so. a couple big threes in that third quarter right like you said he was the only guy other than Monte Morris and Malik Beasley to hit a three so that was so bad. I don't know I don't know if they win this game without him who knows <laughs> yeah 
I, I agree with you. I, it could have, they could have sat him, or I feel like that could have been an opportunity for them to sit him. But uh, obviously, glad that he he didn't injure himself further. Uh, that being said, you know, one thing that we get to see that maybe not everybody not that's listening gets to see is just the toll that it takes on these guys' bodies to play this many games and practice this often. Malone's tried, and I feel like he's done a pretty good job of not making them practice on every single off day. They've barely practiced they this really year. They really have. This year compared to last year, they really dialed back the shoot-arounds and practices over, I'd say, the last two months of the season last year, maybe starting in mid-February. Early mm-hmm. March, they really stopped practicing like a lot of teams do mm-hmm. around that time of year. I mean, this year it started in December, like yeah. mid-December. I mean, we're at the end of January now, but they've already been in that like end of season. We can't practice. We don't have enough bodies to practice. Yeah. Cancel shoot-around mode already. Right. And I mean, they still warm up. The, the warm-up before the game is still a little workout for them. It's not like they're not getting their shots in or you know, finding their rhythm by any means, but this does take a toll on their bodies. I think about like when I'm lifting, you know, with only one rest day, it's like, (laughs) I can't hand, I can't lift anything. I can't lift my arm. I can't eat normally. So it's, it's definitely that kind of struggle. I know they stay in five-star hotels and go to, and stay at the Four Seasons (laughs) and fly charter. (laughs) But I did the back-to-back in Houston to Miami yeah, yeah. earlier this year, or I guess in back in 2018. Um, I was dead, though. Yeah. I was dead, though, after that. Not too dead to enjoy some Miami nightlife, though. Definitely not too <laughs> dead for that. But, I mean, even if you're staying in five-star hotels and charter flights, it's tough to play 82 games. It really is. Yeah. Well, Houston's always kind of been this crutch for the Nuggets. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. What do the Nuggets do defensively? I think they should do a box and one. Because defense, because I just don't know any other way. Although I don't think like it's just so hard to defend um, for James, James Harden. Harden and what he does with the ball and how how often the whistle does blow in his favor. So we'll have to see come Friday what the game plan is. I really do hope that the the guys take their like their plan seriously, the matchups and everything that the um, the coaches provide for them. Because they're going to need it. Houston yeah. always... I mean, home or away, Houston, as we say in baseball, rakes the Nuggets. Right. Well, it's a big game. And the strategy that Denver had last time these two teams matched up, I actually thought was a good strategy. You make Gerald Green, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker beat you from three. Mm-hmm. You don't let James and, Harden beat you. And But they did. Harden's still going to get his. I think they went a, a little away from that strategy in the second half. Because those other guys were just hitting everything from three. Mm-hmm. But I think that's really how you beat the Rockets, though. Yeah, force I mean, everybody else to, to beat you. I think that's how you do it. Because if you let Harden get in that zone and you know, eventually he's got Jokic out one-on-one 35 feet away from the hoop. Mm-hmm. And he can just get to that matchup whenever he wants. I just don't think that's the recipe to beating them. So Denver lost last time when they deployed that strategy of trying to let those other guys beat them from three. But I mean, I I think that's just the best course of action. I don't think PJ Tucker's going to hit seven out of 10 threes or however many he hit last time, or Gerald Green's going to go five of seven from three. I think that's how you've got to approach those guys. Yeah. Well, and as the great Adam Mates would say, three points, three point baskets are a lot more about luck than they are about um, just like, 
shooting percentage, that it can happen to anybody. You know, you can find your groove and that it's more often or not fluctuates. So hopefully they don't shoot. P.J. Tucker, he had a game on us last game. So He's the time. leader in corner threes made in the league this year. Well, so as long as you don't leave him open from the corner, make sure he's <laughs> yeah. like on the wing or the top of the key. Push him up a little bit, yeah. an inch higher. <laughs> right. So what do the Nuggets do when, I mean, you're the one who informed me, apparently. IT has tweeted out. I saw Woj tweeted about IT coming back. That right. He looked healthy. But then Malone denied that. IT, then IT tweeted, he's coming back soon. So it's 10 days away, you said? Well, according to his tweet, I'm not going to say there's a definitive return date. Out no, there. sure. But uh, from what I understand that that's his goal, what Isaiah Thomas tweeted out, whatever it was, 25 days back uh, yeah. earlier in January, that's when he wants to return by. Yeah. Now, will he return by that date? I have no yeah. idea. You know, I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens when that date approaches, which is, I don't know, in like 10 days or something like that. So it's coming up quick. Right. How does Denver manage that? I mean, I have no idea. Monte Morris just played maybe the best game of his career just yeah. a couple hours ago. He looked unbelievable he in the starting great. lineup. So where do the minutes come from? You know, I don't know. It's going to be a tough task for Michael Malone to yeah. devy up these minutes. Who do you, so you, got, you, you have Jamal, you have Gary, you got Will, Yoke, and Millsap starting. So Monte fills Jamal's shoes in the backup. It fills Gary's shoes. Malik fills Will's shoes or is Will's backup. Plumlee's Jokic backup. Craig or Lyles takes Millsap's backup. But then you're playing you play a, a second unit with Monte Morris and Isaiah Thomas in the backcourt. With I mean, I'm not saying they all have to be on the floor at the same time. I'm just right. saying that's your backup guy, and you stagger them as you need them. I mean, that's like 10 guys, plus Wancho is 11 guys. Yeah, Wancho. <laughs> when Wancho decides to hit water from a boat again or whatever the saying is. I mean, is, Wancho, I know Wancho has looked like a, a fringe G-leaguer over the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, I still have a lot of confidence that, you know, come late in the season, come playoff time, he'll be a reliable piece. Look, I don't think there are rotation minutes available for Isaiah Thomas right now. I I gotta think what's gonna happen is either Monte's mints are gonna get cut in half, or you know you know I don't I don't really know. I mean I just don't really see a slot for. Couldn't one of them play off ball? They could, but Will Barton's bringing the ball up the floor tonight with Monte playing off ball. So and and I think that's a I think that's a potential scenario. You know you play Monte and. Isaiah Thomas together. You play Isaiah Thomas and Jamal Murray together. We know how well Jamal Murray plays off the ball. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at the depth chart, suddenly you're trying to find minutes for 10, 11 guys. Right. And that's so how almost impossible like to do. One minute here, one minute there. Yeah. I don't think – do you think IT is going to be the kind of guy who's cool with one minute here, one minute there? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is a guy who – yeah. Was fifth in MVP voting mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most popular player on the Nuggets. Yeah, you know. Now that Swaggy P's gone, right? <laughs> Nick Young was the most popular player on the Nuggets. The now Isaiah happen? Thomas is the most popular player on the Nuggets. the The funny thing about Isaiah Thomas, and I've written on this, but he has so much respect in that locker room right now. 
I talked to Monte Morris about this. He cannot wait for Isaiah Thomas to come back, mm -hmm. even though it means his minutes could take a hit. Yeah. He cannot wait. And I, th I think that's just such an interesting dynamic because it really is. you've got this guy in Isaiah Thomas who's this playoff-tested veteran who's been out the whole year, who had season-ending surgery last year. But just from what he's done in this league, he commands so much respect in the locker room. And he's had a huge impact behind the scenes, way bigger than anybody can really wrap their head around probably. So even yeah. though he hasn't played, he, he's had a huge impact in the locker room. Like I said, behind the scenes for this team. Mm -hmm. And the respect that he commands from everybody is, I think, pretty telling. Everybody can't wait for him to get back. Yeah. No, nobody knows where the minutes are going to come from, but everybody couldn't be more excited yeah. for him to get back on the mm -hmm. floor. That's, that's really, I think that says a lot about the Nuggets just as a team, as a whole team. The, the fact that they're excited for Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who scored one point, you know, right. in the NBA minutes, and they're just as excited for a guy like Isaiah Thomas. You know, to them, it doesn't matter who I – is it IT or Vanderbilt? doesn't matter. They they are stoked for either player. They support each other. And I think the, the whole no ego thing, it really does make a difference. You know, like you haven't heard anything – I'm sure there are things, but you haven't heard anything come out about the Nuggets beefing with each other, beefing with the coach, beefing – I mean, they joked around about how Malone made him do a double, two a day, shoot around. <laughs> Nobody was really happy. They were about not that. happy about it. They were giving him a hard time, but it, like in a way that was still positive. And I think that that does say a lot about this team. And hopefully, I, moving forward, I bet if you asked Monte Morris, he'd be fine playing zero minutes if it meant you no know, Isaiah Thomas could play twenty five minutes a night. If he was capable of playing twenty five minutes a night, if he was healthy, mm -hmm. if he was the boss in Isaiah Thomas. I bet you Monte Morris would be fine with not playing. Just like gleaning knowledge and learning from him. I think that tells you a lot about yeah. the type of guy Monte is and this, the type of team this is. Absolutely does say a lot about Monte. And I don't know if that would be the right decision, but I think Monte Morris would be fine with it. Yeah, he probably would be. And he and you know what? He, he shows a lot of respect, like you said. And Monte played a great game tonight. He's definitely earning his minutes, if you ask me. So... It'll be interesting to figure out where those minutes come from. I'm guessing Lyles will take a back seat. Probably, I'm guessing, Wancho until he, you know, maybe will be a filler guy when guys go down. But I know that the world, the Nuggets Nation, wants IT to come back. I cannot, I'm sure you live this on a day in, day out, too, of how many tweets you get asked about, when is IT sure. coming back? When is IT coming back? That's probably the number one, number two thing I get asked, too, so... Thanks for coming on and talking about your that's life. It? Yeah, what do you mean? That's it. That's that's what we do on the Chicken Nuggets podcast. Do you want to plug any pieces that you're writing lately, like coming out soon? What, what, what one question before? What do you think of Nikola Jokic's game tonight? A quiet twenty thirteen and ten. I mean, it seemed like he dominated this game from I start to finish. I mean, if you look at his box score, I feel like those are great numbers and stuff. I didn't think he he didn't have one of those nights where I was like, "Ooh, he's really slinging the ball." He's right. really like it wasn't like his most impressive game to me, but it's just his like everyday kind of thing. The most impressive part about Jokic's game, I thought, I think it was the Nuggets' last two buckets of the game, or the last two buckets they had that were really meaningful. Mm. They went right to Nikola Jokic in the post, just a straight post up. Michael Mullen joked about it after the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But they knew what they were doing late in the game, and they gave it right to Jokic, uh, right on Julio Okafor. He makes the move, he goes to the basket. Almost the identical move two times in a row with that reverse layup there uh, with the finish. That was pretty telling, I thought, because last year, nobody knew who the ball was going to late in games. They'd come down, they'd pass the ball around. Was it Gary Harris that was going to take the shot? Was it Will Barton that that was going to take the shot? Was it Nikola Jokic? Nobody knew who was taking the shot. Why are the Nuggets so good in late games this year? And after this win, they moved to 13-3 and in clutch games when the score is within five points with five minutes or less remaining since December 1st. They're so good in those games because they know the ball is going to Nikola Jokic, and he knows the ball is going to Nikola Jokic. Right. Um, I thought that was pretty telling. And there's a cool story that Monte Morris will tell. Every time him and Jokic run back on defense or inbound the ball on offense late in games, he'll tell Jokic, all right, you're a franchise. The ball's going to you. (coughs) I think that's a pretty cool little detail about that relationship and just how everybody's in the same frame of mind that, all right, we know where the ball is going at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. It's going to Nikola Jokic. It's going to our all-star. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely kind of what I was referring to too earlier. Like he stepped up into these big – big roles he doesn't want to claim that he's a leader anymore but or like leader on the team he says you know every time you ask him that no no I'm not a leader no I'm not a vocal leader but like he really is he's doing what the leader does which is I I personally think a leader leads by example Mm -hmm. and he's doing that for this team he's saying okay let's go like give me the ball I'll finish it uh and he did he did tonight he definitely did last night I obviously he had contributions from other guys it's not like but you know the ball's going to him, and it's definitely more of like a full-on game plan. Yeah. I think that that also brings in ties in like teams are going to know who to defend. Teams are sure. going to know who the ball's going to in those late minutes. So uh, Jokic is another animal, like another level type of beast, though. You know, he, I mean, he just impressed me constantly. So I don't think that I don't think I've seen anybody defend him like. In, Incredibly well. Maybe the Stephen Spurs, <laughs> The Spurs were the only team that's that really, really shut him down. Shut that him one out. Game, huh? And I mean, they straight doubled him every time mm-hmm. he caught the ball. And Denver, it was actually a similar three point shooting performance to this game. Even though in that game back in San Antonio, they didn't have Gary Harris, they didn't have Will Barton. They were really banged up that game. Uh, and they just made Denver beat them from beyond the arc, and Denver couldn't hit anything. Mm. So that's really been the only team to to lock Jokic up. But this was a fitting performance, I thought, mm-hmm. considering he's going to be named an All-Star tomorrow for the first time in his career. Yeah, exciting and, moment. I mean, in my mind, he should be in the MVP discussion. You not, think, not just because of this game, but I no. mean, just because of what he's done this season. But, I mean, you think he would be in the NBA, in NBA MVP discussion if he was in a bigger market. Oh, if Nikola Jokic was in New York, if he was in L.A., he might be the leader right now in MVP. Really? Like, the Knicks? You're thinking if he was on the Knicks, he would... If he was in New York, he would probably be number one on a lot of MVP MVP ballots right now. Just for the mere fact that, like, so many people go watch the Knicks. It's just the the storyline that he would create if he was in New York. It'd be unbelievable. It'd be pandemonium. He'd be playing with Moutier. If he was putting up the numbers that he has this year, you know, if he was leading a Knicks team that was without three of five starters for like a month. Yeah. If he was leading a Knicks team that 
was that hadn't played its starting lineup together since the second game of the season. Right. Yes, he would be number one on a lot of ballots for MVP rank. If you didn't follow, those are two things that the Nuggets have <laughs> done and that Nikola Jokic is not getting credit for still, which is kind of incredible. But he definitely, I mean, I, I have proof on my phone every day, you know. I vote for Nikola Jokic MVP. He's He's a good guy, and he's definitely a great basketball player, so he definitely should be in the conversation. But, I mean, you did mention Miami, too, right? You think even if he was in Miami, he'd be in the conversation? (laughs) I don't know about Miami. I was just naming off big markets. Big markets. All right, all right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for chatting with us. Are you writing anything about about Nicola coming up soon? Yeah, I've got a lot of things in the works on Nicola, actually. I've got something in the works on Isaiah Thomas that should be Coming out shortly. In 10 days. <laughs> hopefully before he makes his return. Okay. Yeah, so keep an eye out for those things on uh, on bsendenver.com. Cool. That's the Chicken Nuggets podcast. Stop it! Stop it! Don't do him like that! What are you doing, Dragons?